Hello, this is Joe, the Connection Counselor, and today on Executive Presence Morsels, we'll be sampling another bite-sized learning to help you be seen, be heard, and be elevated. Hello, good to see you again. Well, it looks like this season is going to be my season of humility or humiliation. Today, I'm going to take on probably the topic that's scariest to me out of all of the year's worth of topics that I'm going to deliver for you this year in terms of my confidence, uh, in knowledge of it, and being able to deliver uh, something relevant to you, my audience. And that is executive presence for black professionals. So if you're a black woman or a black man uh, in an organization, it's a totally different game for you than it is for pretty much anyone else. And I realize as an Asian, I don't have a similar experience as all. So I'm not going to try to speak from my experience or extrapolate from that. That's ridiculous. What I'm going to do is, since it almost seems like you need a revolution, like like the, the, the difficulty, the level of difficulty and the sort of um, expansiveness of the issue is, is so huge, I'm going to draw inspiration from a principles-based book that I read, one of the favorite ones I've read recently, called Blueprint for Revolution. Uh, this tells the story of Otpor, which was a political organization. Uh, the author is Serda Popovich, which was one of the leaders. And they, through these principles and techniques of, of nonviolent resistance and influence, overcame a military dictator in Serbia, Slobodan Milosevic. So their techniques and their methods and their organization is no joke. I believe they were partially trained by some consultants in the U.S. who were experts in, in this sort of thing um, as well. Uh, but I want to take a look at just a few of their major principles and see how we may be able to apply that for an organizational setting where, uh, like for them in Serbia, the odds were stacked against them and, and the powers that controlled everything just seemed so insurmountable. So the first principle I'd like to share is move the movable, right? What they were very good at doing is figuring out who their allies were, the ones who'd be able to move, right? So maybe not uh, the dictator's innermost circle or his family or, uh, you know, those people who are just never going to see your way, but people who maybe were okay now but could shift when the prevailing winds were shifting. And one way they did that was they took a look at businesses, in Serbia that depended on a lot of international investment. And they figured out a way, you can, you can read the book, I won't go into all the details, they figured out a way to make it so untenable to and so financially bad to support this regime by shining a spotlight on what's going on. It created a substantial amount of pressure and now these folks who are running hotels and tourism and all sorts of industry now it's hitting their bottom line and they're thinking, you know what, maybe if there was a different person in charge, we might be okay with that, right? So they moved the movable. They figured out who the allies were. They didn't go after the you know, hardliners. They figured out, okay, who are people who could move with us and, and what, what is their incentive? What, what is important to them, right? So that's one principle that I think is really useful. Some people are just going to be against you, against me, for whatever reason. Um, 
look for the people who are movable and figure out where you have alignment to get those allies. The second thing they did, which was really amazing, was they looked at the pillars of power, right? In every organization, it's not just made up of people. It's, it's made up the, of these pillars of power that support things, right? So from a, uh, you know, from a, a country standpoint, right, there's the politics, there's, you know, the business, there's the entertainment industry. There are different pillars of power. And what they were able to do was figure out how to leverage those pillars of power to support their cause instead of supporting, uh, you know, the prevailing regime's cause, right? So what might that be in an organization, right? Some of the pillars of power could be management, right? Who are the people who are in charge of managing and how would you shift them or get them on your side? Second, um, pillar of power in almost any organization, making money, right? If you can figure out how the money is made and leverage that ability to make the money and, and, and the things that people who are responsible for the revenue are really passionate about, that's a pillar of power that is now on your side. So it's not just about winning over individual people. There's also these larger subsets, these pillars of power, that it's useful to think in those terms. What are the pillars of power in my organization? What's important to them? And how do I get them to support this cause, this advancement, both for yourself you know, and, and for those um, who are also uh, maybe diverse and, and not getting the support that they would otherwise get? Finally, the third pillar that they did, which uh, I think they start off the book with this, uh, it's, it's, it's really kind of uh, amazing, is they dealt with uh, fear, right? So there's a lot of fear you can imagine in a regime like this. And the fear doesn't have to be a dictator. A fear could be fear for your own career. A fear could be stability. A fear could be competition, right? Um, so fear makes people small right? That's a natural human response. When we're afraid, the most natural thing in the world is to uh, sort of bundle up like an armadillo, right? To, to become very small and resist anything different because it's a protective kind of mechanism. So not here to say whether what your reaction to fear is right or wrong, just to say that that is a typical reaction to fear, which is not conducive for connection, expansion, and change. So what do you have to do? You have to combat the fear with something else so then people are more open to other ways of seeing and doing things. Uh, not necessarily proposing this as your method, but one way that they dealt with fear was through uh, humor, right? So they did these pranks and they kind of made fun of the prevailing regime as well as the police officers who are kind of enforcers in a way that made them seem not so scary anymore, right? Like when you're laughing at something or someone, it doesn't really seem scary to you anymore. They're, they're kind of mutually exclusive, right? You would never laugh at someone you were scared at, right? Not in any real meaningful laughing way, right? Maybe laughing like you're nervous because you're scared, but not like a laughing like, ha, 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 I think you're funny. That would never, ever happen, right? So whether it's through humor or connection or some other mechanism, People can't be scared if they're going to change, 
right? They need to feel relaxed. They need to feel safe. They need to feel a sense of connection and expansion, not contraction. So these are some things that, you know, I found were super powerful and insightful. I mean, they worked for literally a revolution to overthrow a dictator who had all the guns and had all the military and had all the money. Um, so I found that very inspiring and I'm all, always looking at ways to try to leverage that uh, into my life as well into sort of organizational uh, type thinking. So hopefully um, that will help. If uh, you have any thoughts on that, either as you know, you're a, a black professional or otherwise, um, I would love to hear. Just give it to me straight because I need the feedback to improve. Um, please know that I'm trying to do this to help everyone who's listening in the audience to get executive presence. And hopefully I get it right more times than I get it wrong. So thank you so much for listening to Executive Presence Morsels. My name is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor. Remember... It's not what you say, do, or wear. It's how you make people feel that generates executive presence. Nothing else matters. If you'd like, please stay tuned for a preview of tomorrow's episode, brought to you by our sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, I just wanted to say the last couple sessions were pretty scary and rough. Uh, I talked about a lot of areas that I am not qualified uh, at all to really talk about, uh, which is the experiences of women, other abled, and black professionals in an attempt to try to give some insights and principles um, to help all those groups develop more executive presence. Today, I'm going to talk about a group that I am a little bit more familiar with, um, Asians. Uh, quick side note, Asians, they're not just one big block. So I am Korean American, which is quite different than someone maybe who was born in Korea and immigrated over here later, which is also different. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to share the rest of the episode with you. Join us next time for another tasty executive presence morsel.